0: This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement planning. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Retire Happy Podcast. I'm Walter Storholtz, alongside John Amarino. He's a financial fiduciary advisor at Securus Financial, serving you in the San Diego area. You can find us online at GoSecurus.com. That's GoSecurus.com. This is the show that teaches you about holistic retirement planning. And John, great to talk with you once again, ready to dive into another topic today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Walter, for having me back.
0: Well, looking forward to this one, because we've got kind of a, a couple of different things that we're going to touch on today's show. We've got a recent news headline that we're going to analyze in a few moments. John's also going to share with us a great story about how someone was doing some really overcomplicated planning for no particular reason. And maybe you have you know, been one of these folks before. We've all probably done this in some way, shape or form in our lives, where we made a mountain out of a molehill and something way more complicated than it needed to be. We're going to see an example of that on today today's show. And we're even going to answer some of your questions here on the podcast when we open up the mailbag. All of that and more straight ahead on today's show. But first, as we said, let's see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. So there was a recent headline that I saw, John, that was quoting David Walker. And for those of you who don't know who David Walker is, he's a former comptroller general of the United States. Basically, just take that to mean, John, that he's just a very well-qualified financial spokesperson, right?
1: Yeah, I actually tell people that's he's the nation's CPA. And from what I hear, he's a member of the CPA Hall of Fame.
0: See, I don't believe that's a real thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, come on now!
0: I thought that was a joke, and then somebody was like, "No, no, it's a real deal." There's a CPA Hall of Fame. So,
1: yeah, I want to know how you get inducted into the CPA Hall of Fame. What What are the qualifications yeah. for that?
0: Yeah, where is it? Is it? I wonder if they like piggyback off of another sports hall of fame. Like, is it in Canton? Like, it's just in the building attached in Canton, Ohio. When you. You know, go to the other the Hall back. of Fame there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or Cooperstown. Or Cooperstown. Yeah, it's you know, they'd probably get a little bit of spillover from the sports fans, maybe. But anyway, David Walker. So he says that the federal spending is completely out of control. And more interestingly, says that there's no party of fiscal responsibility in America anymore. So we could certainly get into a political discussion about all of that, but my question to you is more so, are there any financial planning implications when you've got somebody with David Walker's status talking about this? Are there any financial planning implications in your mind?
1: Absolutely, and you know, talking about this as being a recent headline, David Walker's been sounding this alarm bell since 2009, when our debt was a third of what it is now. So, you know both parties have been, you know, doing that proverbial kick in the can down the road and no one is really addressing the issue of our national debt. And I tell people that, you know, eventually the bill's going to come due, right? You know, Walter, I'm sure you have your credit card statement. And imagine if you're, you spent a lot of money one month and you said, you know, I'm just going to keep on paying that minimum balance. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Oh, yeah you They even put the illustrations on the credit cards, right? if you If you just pay the minimum balance, this is how long it'll take to pay it off. And it always ends up being some ridiculous amount of years,
1: absolutely. So imagine, you know here you are two decades ago, starting on your uh, your credit card journey there. And instead of paying the balance every month, Walter, you just pay that minimum balance. And they're they're glad they're happy to take that minimum balance because you're paying a you know eighteen or twenty percent APR, you know what I'm saying?
0: They're very happy about that, and we get lulled into thinking, I guess if we're uneducated about the subject, well, hey, I'm not having to pay as much. It's just a small amount that I'm having to pay each month. Not a big deal.
1: Right, and what's happening is you're paying an outrageous amount in the credit card world, that APR, and instead of paying off your principal or what you owe, pretty soon over time, all you're doing is paying interest, and that's where we are quickly finding ourselves as a nation going so there are huge huge planning implications when it comes to what david walker is saying
0: is it kind of for, like what's the big scare or the big worry here is it does it come back to taxes at this point
1: absolutely absolutely so you know we really have four options according to david walker and david walker said you know there's four things and, and this is when he was talking to the government officials. He said, number one, we can cut expenses. Now, what is the one big thing that could happen to today's retirees if we're talking about cutting expenses? It could mean some sort of reduction in social security or Medicare benefits, which would mean more money out of your pocket. Number two, we could borrow more money. Well, the problem is Who owns most of our debt? It's China. And do you think China is going to give us more money to borrow? That window is quickly closing. The third thing we could do is print more money. What's the problem with that? Now, living in San Diego, we have Mexico right on the border. And any San Diegan that's gone down to Tijuana for some good tacos or, or lobster, they know that the value of the peso is much less than that of the dollar. So the more money we print, we're gonna devalue it. So our options there are limited. So Mr. Walker told them that you really have one major option, that is to raise taxes. And back 10 years ago, he went to the CBO and he said, give me three tax rates. And the CBO came up with three brackets. You want to guess what the lowest bracket would be there, Walter?
0: Oh, I don't know. I'm an optimist at heart. Let's say
1: 15%. 15%. Close. But he said the lowest tax bracket would actually come in at 25%.
0: Ooh, that's pretty steep for, for a lot of folks, right?
1: Yes, ab- absolutely. And, you know, I always tell people if you're not preparing for taxes, there's no difference between losing your money at taxes or losing your money in the market. Then the second bracket. You want to give a guess at that one?
0: All right, we'll go twenty-five up to—I don't know—a small, a small. Well, let's go thirty-five. About thirty-five percent.
1: Thirty-five would be a great guess, but it's actually way off. Sixty-three percent. Oh no, that's no so, fun.
0: That's no fun.
1: So I know you're—I know you're the eternal optimist, Walter. But Not do you anymore. want to guess what the third? <laughs> in the highest tax
0: bracket. Well, based on uh, now some of the other headlines we've seen when it comes to taxes um, with, you know, several uh, prominent Congress, you know, men and women talking about, you know, the return of 70, 80, and 90% tax rates. Let's let's go for the whole shebang and
1: say 90%. You you actually overshot it, but not by much, not by (laughs) much. Estimates say 88%. Oh my gosh. And that actually isn't the highest... You know, tax brackets we've seen in history, you know, post World War II, the highest marginal tax bracket was 94%. So, you know, whether the Tax Cut and Jobs Act hurts or helps you, whether you like it or not, I tell people that you have to realize that really since 2000, we've been in one of the lowest tax rates in history. And that poses very, very opportunistic planning strategies to get ahead of what could be ballooning tax rates in the future.
0: Well, it's a huge topic, I know, for any retiree or pre-retiree. But before we move on in subject matter, I think it'd be important to follow up with this, John, and that is it's clearly such a big issue. But do you find when you review financial plans and what folks are doing to prepare for retirement, that it has been made a central tenant of their financial plan? Or is it a huge missed opportunity for most folks?
1: Oh, a huge missed opportunity for a lot of folks, a lot of folks. As a matter of fact, I've, for the last couple of years, taught a taxes and retirement class here in San Diego. And many of the people that attend the class say, my advisor does not want to talk to me about taxes. And my response to that is, I find that to be interesting because everything you're invested in will have a taxable implication in the future. So we need to be talking about taxes because this debt is not going anywhere. The bill will come due. And, you know, unfortunately for us, the taxpayers, we're going to have to fund that.
0: Well, it's a good conversation. I'm sure we'll do many more podcasts where we dive deep into the subject of taxes, but we'll we'll cap the discussion there for at least a moment. And that's a little bit of what's been happening in the news and John's opinions on those things. I mentioned we were going to hear a story from John on today's show as well about overcomplicated planning. This segues nicely, John, because I feel like taxes has always been one of those things that sure should be you know a lot less complicated, or at least it seems like there should be ways to get rid of the you know, thousands of pages of and and words and paragraphs of tax code, you know, and maybe just boil it down to simple percentages at some point. But let's talk on an individual basis. Have you ever met somebody whose portfolio, their retirement plan was way more complicated than it needed to be?
1: Absolutely. uh, Not just one person, several people that have come to my office with just overly complex plans.
0: All right, so give us an example or maybe the best one that comes to mind and what you did to help kind of problem solve that.
1: Yeah, so, you know, last year, I actually, I'm sorry, in 2017, I actually went through a period of time where I saw a cluster of clients where their plans were just very, very complex, a lot of moving parts. They didn't understand what their plans were we're all about and how they were designed. And and to me, as a a fiduciary advisor, that's the utmost important thing that the clients understand why they're doing what they're doing with their money. And to give you just a couple of examples, I had, you know, they're one of my favorite clients. Now they came in and they're working with an advisor and they just had this complex strategy. They, they had a plan that was about 75 pages long with complex graphs that they didn't understand. And when we cut through all the jargon, they were in complex real estate investments, broker development investments, that they didn't know how these exactly worked. They didn't know how illiquid they were. And they also didn't know or understand the high costs that they were paying. And at the same time, a couple of weeks later, another gentleman came in and his current advisor had him in a hedge fund that he could actually lose all his money in and was paying an exorbitant i mean an outrageous fee that the client just had no idea about and when it boils down to it for the majority of americans the financial plan does not have to be complex it should rather be fairly simple now from an an advisory standpoint we have a lot of complexities but walter if you're coming in and, and you're talking to an expert about money and he comes out with a bunch of graphs and you know a bunch of complex terms do you feel good when you leave that office that you don't understand what he just said everything was you know it looked like chinese to you and you don't understand anything, do you really feel good about the plan? Or are you now just hoping he as the advisor doesn't fail you?
0: Yeah. I think it's kind of one of those things where the charts and the graphs and the flash can be nice, but if I don't understand any of it, then it, it misses the point.
1: Right, right. And you know, the crux of the matter is does your plan solve your concerns and meet your goals? And you should really be able to understand that. Now, now, of course you know, as you go through a a financial plan, the first time around, you're not gonna understand, you know, you're not gonna get every little thing. And that's human nature. But we constantly review it with our clients. This is exactly what this bucket of money is doing. And we have a simple plan that we give it to you, written in plain English, so they understand what is the purpose of their money, what, what their money's job is. And your money may have several different jobs, right? One of the buckets may be there to give you an income stream. The other part might be for growth or survivorship income or legacy planning. It's just you have to understand what's going on in the most simplistic of nature. And yeah, you know, for these people, their concerns weren't being solved. They were paying high fees and they were paying high taxes. When we were able to move them to a more simplified version And when they come in, we can have a conversation that they absolutely understand and they feel good about it. And that's the biggest thing, right? If you don't understand what you're doing and it doesn't solve a concern, you don't love what we're doing, the chances are you're not going to feel empowered about that financial plan, right? I mean, imagine, you know, Walter, you go out and you, you buy a car and you felt that the way that you came to the decision was the car salesman just put it to you in very simple facts, right? The good and the bad of this car, right? Maybe it's technologically savvy, but it doesn't get great gas mileage. And you were able to just simply break that down and say, you know what? I felt good with this purchase. I understand the costs. I understand the pros and the cons. And you're walking off that lot knowing that you bought a car that is right for you, not going off the lot saying did i just get hit with the sales pitch of the year Mm -hmm.
0: and i feel like in those situations too when you have that education and you're making an informed decision that that should add a lot of comfort and understanding to the process as well like i know the downside of my chevy tahoe is the low gas mileage but you know what was really important to me I love having that room to breathe on the interior and a little extra space to spread out my elbows and, you know, the safety of being up high. Those things were all more important to me than maybe the gas mileage. But it could also, for the next person who walks into the office or, in this analogy, into the dealership, their priorities could be totally different than mine. They might not care At all, at the uh, size or the interior of the vehicle, they want to and really value, you know, fuel economy in the green side of the aspect. And so they want something that, you know, they're never going to be interested in that Tahoe. So their solution is ultimately very different than mine. But we both went in and got good, solid information that led us to make the best decisions for our particular situation. And I imagine that's pretty much how you operate in the office when it comes to putting together financial plans just on a, a broader scale.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and in the in the retirement and financial arena, there is no cookie cutter solution. Everybody has different asset levels, goals, concerns, health conditions, life transitions that they have to prepare for. No two clients are the same. And you know, we take the time that when people come in our office, the first meeting is just getting to know that client because that is the foundation of what helps us make a customized plan. And I tell people when it comes to complexity and one thing I'd urge our listeners to do, if you don't understand it, no matter who you work with, just say, can you repeat that? I didn't understand that. Yeah. You You know, this industry has some complex terms that sometimes we as advisors forget because they're second nature to us. But while we're trying to design a plan for you, this is your life savings. That's important. And this is your livelihood, right? If you're retired, you don't have that paycheck coming in anymore. So you are depending on your life savings, you know, to live off of. So you need to understand what's going on. And, you know, that's why I encourage people. If you don't understand, ask and ask until you understand. And if your advisor is still not telling you in a manner that you understand it, can you just rephrase that? So when you have that plan, designed, you're walking out feeling good, that you know what's going on.
0: If you don't take anything else away from today's podcast, I'd suggest certainly to remember that. Don't ever be afraid to ask more questions when it comes to your financial situation. And it's a perfect segue. One of the reasons why here on the Retire Happy podcast, we're going to want to make sure to answer your questions from time to time on the program. If you'd like to submit questions to be featured on the show and have John answer them here on the program, you can do that by going to GoSecurist.com and click the contact button to Ask your question online or call your questions into John at 858 935. 6210. Now you don't have to have your question featured on the show, but it's an option for you. So let's open up the mailbag and I've got two questions to throw at you this week, John. The first of which comes to us from Lockhart and Lockhart says, if we enter into a long down period in the market, what will be the best approach for someone nearing retirement? I'm almost to that point and trying to figure out how to best position myself these final few working years.
1: Well, that is a great question. And Prudential came out with a phenomenal piece, and the piece was entitled The Retirement Red Zone. And what this piece brought up was the last five years of employment and your first 10 years of retirement are your 15 most critical years of your financial life. What do you think about that, Walter?
0: The first 15 years or the last 15 years of your financial life are the most critical for your retirement.
1: Right. The last five years of employment and the first 10 years years. of retirement, that 15-year period, Prudential termed as the most crucial 15 years of your financial livelihood. And the reason for that is because you're going in from accumulating, accumulating all that money in your 401k. And now you're going into living off that money. And so for a lot of people, they go straight from accumulation to decumulation, and they're missing out on a very important part of what we call the money cycle. Right, Accumulation is the first step. You have to get that money to be able to spend that money. But the last step is distribution or decumulation. So they're skipping the step called preservation. And to answer Lockhart's question is that if you're in that scenario, whether you feel the market's going to go down or not, you have to have a defined strategy to preserve your assets, preserve what you have acquired over the years, what you've worked long and hard for. And then from there, you can decide where you're going to pull that money to live. But if you're doing a good job and you are getting more conservative as you should, then you know the market downturn, when it does happen, you will have more peace at mind during that time.
0: Some great perspective, and thank you again for the question, Lockhart. Let's end the week on one more question here, John. It comes to us from Gretchen. Gretchen says, I inherited a lot of stocks and mutual funds from a relative recently. A friend who trades stocks told me that I'd have to pay a ton of taxes because we don't know the beginning price for these investments. They're old and weren't tracked then, I guess, she says. So he said it would all be treated as gains, and I'm going to have a huge tax bill on my hand. My question is, does any of this sound right to you?
1: Thankfully, it does not sound right. <laughs> and the, the reason why I say <laughs> the, that the is... The importance, uh, John,
0: of asking more questions, right? We were just talking about that.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the neighborly advice isn't always the right answer. And and this is why I say retirement is not a do it yourself thing. We need to rely on the professionals that have the concrete answers to this. And to answer Gretchen's question, to give her good news, those investments have access to what's called a step up in basis. And what that means is let's say your grandfather bought, you know, Coca-Cola stock, you know, Walter way back in the days, right? You know, for a couple dollars a share. And he held on to that stock. And he unfortunately passes Walter, but he leaves you his Coca-Cola stock. Well, based on current tax law, the step up in basis says that the appreciated asset for that tax is based on the market value of the asset at the time of inheritance. So imagine granddad bought that Coca-Cola stock for $1.00 or $100 market value, and over the years, that grew to $100,000. Well, guess what? What do you think you owe the tax on? The growth from that $100 or just the growth on that $100,000? What's your guess, Walter?
0: Yeah, hopefully just that smaller amount, that'd be great.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, when you inherited that money, if it was $100,000, you're only gonna owe the tax on any growth from that point on. So if you held on to that Coca-Cola stock and it went up to 105000 then you would just owe the step-up tax on that last $5,000. However, kind of going back to his story, we had a new client that this wasn't properly reported to the IRS by his tax people. And um, he got a very hefty tax bill from the IRS. And, uh, you know, fortunately, my tax professionals I work with, we're able to help alleviate the situation and get the proper reporting to the IRS because he didn't owe any taxes on it. And you could imagine the sticker shock, Walter, when you get a letter from the IRS. First of all, that's no no one ever likes that, right? No. Mm -mm. Now imagine it's a six-figure tax bill. I might be moving out
0: of the country. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you're right, right. You can imagine the pit in the stomach. So, you know, we're able to help him out. But but absolutely, uh, Gretchen, you're only going to pay the tax on what is ever determined at the point of inheritance. Great question.
0: Lots of great questions on today's show. Thanks, Lockhart and Gretchen, for submitting those. And again, if you have questions yourself, reach out to John. Ask them. Don't be afraid. That's the big takeaway from today's episode. You can ask them online if you like doing it that way, gosecurist.com. That's gosecurist.com. You can come into the office there on Trina Street, conveniently off Interstate 15 next to Scripps Ranch High School and uh, have a conversation in person or start it over the phone as well, 858- 935 6210 is your number to call. If you haven't had conversations like this with a financial advisor, talk to John about it. 858-935-6210 is your number to call. John, thanks for taking us through some of the uh, things we've seen in the headlines lately and also talking to us about some of these great questions from listeners and giving us great information. We covered a lot of ground on today's show, and we'll do it all again on the next podcast. Thanks so much.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Walter. I had a blast.
0: That's John Amarino, and you can uh once again tune into the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google, Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Stitcher and iHeartRadio and tune in and lots of different places where you listen to the show. If you have a particular podcast app, that you like to utilize and for some reason you don't see the show listed there, let us know and we'll make sure it gets submitted and added to that platform. Just let us know by uh, the aforementioned ways to get in touch. And of course, you can always find the episodes online at gosecurus.com as well. For John, I'm Walter. We'll look forward to talking to you next time on the Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine